Okay. Um, so we can just do, I mean, it's not entirely big. We can walk down and sort of walk around. I'll okay. stay, I thought I'd stay off the, the main roads. Yeah, so it's kind nice. of kind of quietish. Okay. So, yeah. Look at that sunset. That's it's beautiful, amazing, isn't it? amazing, isn't it? You've got that every night to look at. Do you actually live here? I don't still? live here, no. But, um, yeah. That's beautiful. This is the Travelling Through Podcast. I'm your host, Emma. And today, my guest is Shaq Baker, born in London, an entrepreneur, and wanted to be rich from the age of eight. This is his story about London, the world, and life. So... Shaq, welcome to the Travelling Through Podcast. Thank you for having me. We've been wanting to talk to you for ages. I think we had a quick chat around Christmas time, wasn't it? Yes, we and did, we, we did. we thought we should definitely connect and have a, have a chat. Yeah. And, um, and it, was a, it was a shame you didn't actually get a chance to see the bookshop. It closed before you had that opportunity, but I knew of you at that yeah. point. Even so, I feel that you do have a connection to Travelling Through. Yeah, you yeah, never yeah. There. So, and I've just cycled from, over from Wandsworth to an area that I went to university, South Bank University, that doesn't exist here anymore. I think doesn't it's exist, moved. yeah. So it literally was like just up the road. Yeah. Yeah. And here we're in, what's the name of this estate? So this is called Heathbrook Estate. Okay. Heathbrook Estate. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly when it was built, but it's, it, you can tell from the brown bricks, it's been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 50s, 60s, maybe earlier, 40s? Possibly. Yeah. Could possibly be, yeah. I grew up there. Yeah. So you were born literally. I in actually the area? well I tell you what, finally so we just left my mum's house which is which is there. Yes. Um I and that's a three bedroom house. When I was a baby, we lived in that one over there where okay. the sky dishes are. So oh. I was literally an infant in that house. In that house, okay. And then and then when we got to about when she was pregnant with child number four we moved from there and we walked up the hill. <laughs> That's a nice, easy, easy move. I mean, yeah. most people go at least, you know, another district away. Yeah, so yeah. You could just walk your stuff up the road. We went, really. we went from down. We used to call it up the hill. When as a kid, this seemed like a like an actual hill. Yeah, doesn't seem yeah. like much of a hill now, but we went from down the hill to up the hill. Brilliant. Okay, yeah. so that's um. That's nice. So you've you've stayed very much connected to the to the area. Yeah, yeah. And as a result, is it a community that you've all kind of grown up together that were there a lot of young kids around when you were growing up here yeah there was I mean there's actually a school here yeah um that's Heathbrook school right. and surprisingly <laughs> my mum never let us go to the school why not um she didn't like the school too close <laughs> and we was like mum it's, it's there please like and so because we grew up here yes most of our friends on the estate went there and most of the people that went there we knew and because there was a school here, it was quite a big sort of community for young people and kids. Yes. So, yes. Um, so it was um, it was pretty cool. So uh, yeah, a lot of the lot of the young people we grew up with, we had. Um, I think being in the state, we had a lot of um, peers and a lot of friends. So good, a big network of kids. Right. Yeah. And your parents were they also born in London, or have they come from further afield? They come from further afield, actually. Um, so my mum, she, she grew up in London. Yes. She, yeah, she, I mean, she grew up in London. I think she was actually born in Birmingham. Okay. So she says, I, I never used to believe her, but she, <laughs> <laughs> I think she was lying. Well, you're making stuff up. Maybe I should ask her myself. <laughs> I feel, I feel it, 
as a kid, it felt like parents kind of like, it feels like stuff changes. But I think maybe when you're young, they kind of give you just like bites yes. of, of it. So yeah. it felt like it changed. Yeah, so my mum was born, I think Birmingham. But yeah, they both uh, grew up in London. So okay. very much sort very of- Very much part L of the London, L yeah, London community. Yeah, then. 100%, yeah. 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 yeah, And so you, I just had, luckily had a little look at your your um, website yep. because you're Shack Baker. Yep. And your website is The Property Shack. The Property Shack, So yeah. it's a play on words, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but how did you get into this property. whole property scene? Um, Property is kind of a funny one. I, I guess I, I always wanted to do it. I've, I'd always aspired to be an entrepreneur. I'd always aspired to be what I considered like to kind of create and build wealth. Mm -hmm. And I always identified property as one of those um, vehicles that could that could do that, could help that. But I just I, I always believed that property was super expensive, and you needed to be rich to yes. be able to. Do it like in my head. I assumed when people bought houses, they bought it for like the whole amount. Right. I just always assumed that. So, um, so it was one of those things that I, I wanted to get into, and I I didn't really know how. Mm -hmm. uh, like most people, I think they read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that was like yeah. a game changer. Yeah. Yes. But um, outside of that, it was it there was always an interest. What I actually did was I went on a course. And that enabled me to kind of learn about it. Right. And just through doing that, I learned sort of different strategies. I think the, going on the course and being around other investors was kind of the game changer for me. Okay, okay. So you've come at it very much from the investment angle. Yes, yeah, from the investment angle. My whole goals prior to that was to like buy my flat off the council. Yeah. And that was that was my whole goals that my property goals I thought well I'll, you know I'll, I'll do that and but your world has expanded <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was yeah, that was sort of my whole goal was just like to buy the flat off the council and then um and that was it that was called my whole strategy really yeah and yeah, yeah. and this I've obviously like stepped up a bit from that and what what made you do that I mean I mean you've got to have a hunger and a drive so where did that come from the hunger and the drive I feel like I've always had that have you? Okay. Yeah, I feel like I was, I feel like I was born with that. My, um, like my mum always, <laughs> my mum was saying when we was in the house that when I was a kid, I'd get like letters coming through the post. And basically what I used to do was I'd read, she'd read the paper. I think when, when, she, when I was a kid, she'd make me go and buy the news of the world. Yeah. And in the back, there was like things like how to be a multi-millionaire or how to drive build a business and obviously that was way before the internet days yeah, yeah. so you'd have to cut it out and write your name and post <laughs> it off and i'd actively do that as a, really? as a, kid. Yeah, as a, a kid. kid as a kid oh, like goodness. seven eight years old as a kid i'd go and like um ask my mom for a stamp or a, or a teeth one from her and I'd do so and what happens is they build databases then after a while you start getting things in the post and and yeah, I just used to get all sorts of things like multi-level marketing. Um, yeah, all the kind of marketing strategies that were deployed in the 80s and the 90s. I just, <laughs> I had sort of an array of an understanding of it. I always felt like I had that drive. I think the difference is when I think back on reflection, that drive may have been driven by my 
family and my circumstances as a motivation. Okay. If that makes sense. And they they always encouraged you. They saw that what you were doing, and they always and your parents always encouraged you. I think they encouraged me, but equally, I think a lot of it, well, a big part of it, was me wanting to to do well for my family. Okay. You know. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. Like we we grew up here and we had fun and there was a lot of us and we had a lot of love. But I always wanted to kind of like do more. Right. You know, I always wanted to be more, have more. Yeah. But it was it came from a a place of from my family. Okay. You know. Yeah. So it was already you you weren't having to go outside to find a, to find um, or the confidence, or the the drive, or the or the, um, nah, the drive. people to be behind you. Yeah, it, the, it, it the, was there. Yeah, the, it was there, and I, it was to, you know. It was to, I think as a I think I'm like a provider, so yeah. I wanted to like provide for my family and and do nice things and yeah and that growth, you know. So so you've gone literally from strength to strength. So the property shack was was that your first business? Oh, no, nah, Okay, nah, so what nah. was the first business? <laughs> Lots of businesses. <laughs> so, <laughs> can you quickly, for the listeners' sake, and for my sake, <laughs> are you able to kind of quickly just oh, man. go from um, what's, what like were the a main, timeline, like, the timeline uh, to, to, to now? Wow, that's a really good question. There's a lot of stuff that <laughs> has been put to bed mentally okay. for obvious, for, for different reasons. Some because I've just forgotten about it and some because of, You'd like just, to forget about it. <laughs> I'd like to forget some. I mean, what's interesting is that I've done lots of different things. Yeah. And how you feel about those things is, I find that interesting because some things just flopped. Okay. And at the time, you just think, you feel like you've taken, you know, it, it didn't work out and you failed. I think one of the things that I was able to do, not even on purpose, I think it's just my character, I never got hung up on failures because I was ready to do the next thing. Okay. Yeah, so as soon as something didn't work, that. I was like, in the moment, ah, agitated. Yes. But I'm too busy now thinking of the next thing. Okay. I'm too busy, ready to do something else. Wow. I think when you kind of get knocked down, that staying down thing is worse than the actual, the actual failure itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, the failure so, itself is, is you can almost kind of understand, you can get an understanding or you can learn from it. Definitely. But staying down is just a place yes. that often you don't gain anything from. That's so the best thing you can do with anything is to jump back and jump straight back yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So I started like, like I said, um, so I always thought, so when I used to read those things, yes. those books, I'd, I subscribed to all these different things and I'd get all these courses and stuff. The difference was I didn't have the money because there was always an upsell. So they give you like this yes. free document or a free book, but it's always an upsell. Yeah. But because I used to read those things, I took them very literally. And I was always like, I'm going to be rich one day because I'm going to read these books and I'm just going to do what the books say. Yeah. And obviously I went to secondary school. In secondary school, uh, I, I did really well at business studies. Mm -hmm. I found it very easy. Yes. Um, I think I applied to the Prince's Trust when I was about 14. Oh, did you? Wow. Yeah, to, okay. to get money to do, I think me and my friend Chris was going to do a, a sandwich delivery business. Okay. Yeah, so that was about, <laughs> <laughs> that was about 25 years ago, maybe. <laughs> so we would have been, this is pre-Deliveroo, pre-Uber Eats. Of course, yeah. So yeah. We, was, we were thinking about doing that. Um, so that, that Did it happen? It didn't actually, no. 
I found the process very exhaustive. Okay. I'm, I'm a true creative person and I was bogged down with details and I just didn't. Okay. Yeah, they was like, we need to cash flow forecast this. And I was like, oh, no, that's that's hurting my brain. Um, <laughs> I was close. Okay. Um, after that, I think 16, I actually got the Prince's Trust to pay for some studio sessions for me. And I went to the studio and I'd done some music stuff. Okay. And um, I think creatively, I always liked doing that kind of stuff making music, just creating things, right? Um, which doesn't always prove well on the business sense. Yeah. You know, you then not, you can't always capitalize on your craft. Yeah, yeah. And I guess being able to be a true creative, you don't always go in as an objective to make money. Exactly, because it changes but the whole concept. It changes the whole it? concept, yeah. but at the same time, you need to have an income of yes. some sort, yes. maybe to provide capital to start or just to live. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, so the, I had that idea when I was 14, 16, I started doing music, 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 18, I think 1920, I started a clothing label. Okay. 1920, I started a clothing label. So that's like 20 years from now. Okay. Um, started a clothing label. We did that for a number of years. What, for men or for, for women? Men or and sports or? Men, men and women, it was like a high-end... I'd say sort of casual denim wear. Okay. Uh, but it was all handmade. I learned. <laughs> so I didn't you have any experience. It. <laughs> it was <My> made. <laughs> so what we did. That is very what impressive. What we did was me and my friend Dre, we um we didn't really know much about clothes. I mean my mum could knit and do stuff. Yeah. But we didn't really know anything about clothes and we were both very creative people, so we could like take I think the first thing we done was we sort of took some clothes and just kind of stuck some design patterns on it. Okay. designs and yeah. was like oh this is great yeah but that'll be we because we, we got feedback from that yeah good feedback we decided to do it properly so we, was, we, was, we didn't know where to get clothes from how to do it so we started off just sort of customizing so we'd get like jeans yeah jeans and jackets and customize them and then till we got to the point where we taught ourselves how to sell so i took my mum's sewing machine we bought one we got an office we was literally making clothes. That's amazing. <laughs> but that's, that's hard it work. Was, it was such a graft. It was, <laughs> it was such a graft. And I did that for a number of years. Yeah. I think the good thing is in all of those different ventures, there were successes in them, yeah. which allowed me to maintain my, um, my momentum. Okay, allowed me to, allowed me to stay it. focused. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't easy. So yeah. I did no. that. Yeah. So that range I felt like was, it was high end, so it was quite expensive. Right. I felt like we were pricing ourselves out. So yep. then we created a more, a range that was more streetwear, lower end of the market. Yeah. And we did that for a number of years. And were you sell where were you selling at markets or to shops? Well, we, we, with the first one we were selling to shops, We'd, we really pushed to try and get into like some of the, the you know, the big stores that like was really pushing hard for like Selfridges, Harvey Nicks. Um, and they they're so they were so hard to crack. Yeah, but right. um, but we we worked really hard. And we built relationships with a lot of those people. Yeah. And so what happened when we created the second brand? We made our work a lot easier for ourselves. We decided to focus on printed clothes, so we weren't making stuff. Right. It was just design, and we just had basics and we printed on them. Yeah. And um, at the time, this was about two thousand eight. At the time, ASOS didn't really sell a lot of, we well, did hardly sell any streetwear at that time. Yeah. And that came a pivotal time when they changed. 
yeah. the direction of how they did their stuff. And we, at, I think 2008, we met them at a trade fair in in Berlin. So we traveled to Berlin to exhibit <laughs> our clothes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, we ended up, they ended up placed some Norda and we had the fastest selling streetwear brand on ASOS. Wow. At the time, okay. yeah. And so that was a, that was good. Yeah. That was yeah. a game changer for us. Yeah, sure. We kind of felt like, oh, we can do this. Yeah. You know, and then um, we realized that that world moves very, very fast. <laughs> like it's, it just moved the goalposts again. Yeah. And it kind of made me feel like um, it wasn't something that I really wanted to keep doing mm -hmm. in the same way. I felt like um, when you're playing that game, you're playing catch up. Yeah. So I was very keen to sort of change my business model a bit. And I felt like I'd been in the creative business world for the last, at that point, it felt like about 10 years. So I was going to like 2010, 11, 12. And I started doing music. When you say you're doing music, are so, you creating music or so are we, you singing? Or? So we, yeah, so we basically started creating music and um, I wanted to, so I felt like we had the brand yeah. and we understood the mechanics yeah. of the brand. Yeah. But I wanted to try and build another way to take something I enjoy doing, which is kind of creative, and so i.e. music and i guess with music you could build an audience but we had a clothing brand we can have that as a as something we can make money from you yeah, know yeah, yeah. they tie in it was like culturally they tie in brand wise they tie in they kind of yeah. go hand in hand yeah you know, lifestyle you got music you got people going out clothes yes. what they drink what they wear so we started doing music i.e like making and creating so i started making music now i'm gonna be totally out of my league by asking what kind of music and i'm sure I'm not so it was like hip-hop music okay. essentially oh, no, hip-hop yeah hip-hop music sure um yeah we started doing that and that was good i think the thing with that like i said i went to studio for the first time when i was young when i was about 16. Mm. so this is like maybe 15 years later but i'd always had music as a hobby okay so, so now i was like all right cool I've done business for the last sort of 10, 15 years. Yes. I'm going to apply my business acumen to music. Right. right. So in terms of my approach, yep. the way we manage it, the way we market it, the way we contact people, I attacked it like a business. And um, it proved to be quite successful. For Did us. it? Yeah, yeah it worked yeah. out really well. Did it change your relationship with music and how you now enjoy music? Or have you, are, are there two sides to that? Um, with how I enjoy music. Yeah, like, because when you apply it to a business model, yeah, it, did it change? Let's go this way. Yeah, did it change your enjoyment of music, or did it did it actually drive you to create music in a different way, because you were looking at it more from a commercial angle? It's interesting that because um, I don't think it changed the way I made music. What it did do, though was it changed the way, the, the main thing that changed was the way I understood. I think the difference was, the main difference was the way the music business is ran and operated. Okay. That was enlightening because it's not really based on, it's not really based on talent. Mm. Like a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. You know, the people that you tend to see out the most or or hear about the most or market yeah, the most yeah. ain't often the best yeah and it's understanding that and being able to i mean if you do any business you have to develop thick skin 
You've got yeah. to be very driven, very motivated. It's just understanding that a lot of it's based on relationships. Yes. It's yeah. based on, it's very clickish. I think most creative industries are very clickish. Yeah. So I'd worked in at that time, by that time I'd worked in fashion, film and music. Okay. And they're all sort of, I'd say creative in this media, yeah. creative industries. Yeah. And they're very, very clickish. So it never changed the way I thought about music. It just changed the way I understood the business to run yeah. and the business I didn't care much for. I thought it was very, I thought it was, thought it was stupid. Okay. <laughs> no, I thought it was stupid. I thought, like it's, it's, it's just, it's just a big club. Right. And, yeah. and wasn't something I really wanted to be a part of, to be fair. Sure. sure. I just felt like, um, as a creative, it's nice to be able to just create and ultimately create for your own tribe. Yeah. You don't necessarily want to fit in. Kind of like when I did the fashion, we, we put the stuff out and it was like, right, what's your next collection going to be? Yeah. We think this is where the trends are going. Then you're kind of playing a game based on someone's calculated opinion. Yeah. And then you start, and then it kind of directs and dictates your vision. Yeah. And I don't think that's really, I didn't, I didn't think that was cool. Yeah, and yeah. with the music, it's very easy. We started people. People started saying, you know, you should make songs like this. That's not it's what not, I want to make. It's not what you're about. No, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this song's really popular right now, but it's more electronic. You should do that. And I yeah. thought this that kind of defeats the purpose of me doing what I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, change you can, of direction was it then? <laughs> yeah, I just said to myself, I enjoy what I enjoy, mm. and it's being able to do things on your own terms. And, sure. and genuinely, I think the people that tend to do well are the ones that actually stick to their own guns yeah. and do things on their own terms. Yeah, believe in themselves believe enough in those, that, that exactly. it may take longer, but they it may will, take longer, but you're not in you it have for... have your true fans. You're not in it, exactly. It's better to have a thousand true fans yeah. than sort of be something to everybody. Yes, and and yeah. that's, that's what changed for me. So after a little while, that slowed down a bit. Yeah. And then I just said to myself, I wanted to create something to create a business that's more based on just just on a, a business just something you know it's not i don't have to be too creative i don't have to i'm not basing it on these industries where i've realized actually they're quite clickish yeah so um i started just trying to do different sort of straight business stuff we i'd set up a alcohol distribution company <laughs> and uh <laughs> pretty random and um and i started doing that and i didn't necessarily love it mm. but it was, it kind of made sense. Okay. And, um, but I was working every day of the week, like seven days yeah. a week, standardly. Yes. And you know, um, there's always a demand for alcohol. And that's it. <laughs> Distribution. So I, I just so thought, quick win, I'm going to do that. Did it for a number of years. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't very, it didn't enable me to still be as creative as I, as I wanted yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. So um, You're just I made a sacrifice. To demand, aren't you? Kind of, yeah. yeah. But my goal was, do this for a couple of years, yeah. save money, Buy a house, okay. buy a flat from the council. That was my yeah. goal. <laughs> my flat, and then, <laughs> and then that's it. I can, you know. You got the roof over your head that you've always wanted, head. and you can. In my head, I always still wanted to still do music. I never yeah. fully left it. I kind of took a break and said, right, I'm going to set this up, but that's still my thing. Yeah. And then one year turned to two, two turned to three. Now I think it's been about six, or maybe five, six years since the last song we made has been released. Okay. So it's a bit like, whoa, that's a big hiatus. Yeah. You know. What's so the name of your band? Our group was called the Bakery Boys. The Bakery Boys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
another, another uh, play, kind on of words. play on words. Yeah, I'm, I'm very big into that. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> Nearly everything we've got, there's a play on words. I think that's just part of our, our sort of quirk. So the podcast listeners, can they hear, is the Baker Boys, I mean, the music's obviously still up there, is it? It's, on, yeah, on you YouTube can, it's on YouTube, Spotify. Okay, and, um, we can put a link in the show notes. We'll put a link in the show notes. I'm actually working on new material. Okay. I think um, one of the things I wanted to do was showcase an evolution. I feel like when I started the group, I was in a particular place and I was sort of, yeah, not in a bad place. I was in the place where I was at. Yeah. And I've then there's been an evolution since then. You, and well, you're growing of, up as well. I've grown I mean, up and, a bit. And, and, yeah. I've you know, I've I've done, done a lot. I've done a lot in that yeah. space of time. So I think it's to kind of tell the story at this at yes. this level. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I spotted online that you have a is it a band called Alloy? Is Alloy, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so basically Alloy and so again and that's what I said, I've always wanted to kind of keep maintain doing the music and at yeah. one stage yeah what what had kind of happened with the music side of things i said is um i feel like it needs to be ran and managed and marketed on your own terms right i feel like there's a bit of an injustice when you use some of the so-called professionals in the game yeah i don't think they're very good at their jobs okay and and often the best people to market your product is yourself Definitely. We're often yeah. sometimes the best people to do that. You could spend a thousand pounds. There have been times I spent thousands of pounds per month on press and marketing just to get someone to say, look, we've got your blog post. I'm like, wow, I could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same with, with, uh, with authors. You know, that's why a lot of people independently self-publish. Yeah, self-publish because so same thing. It, yeah. it is a game changer. So one of the things was I said to myself, I want to, and I do enjoy different types of music. Yeah. So I said, I do want to create a platform where we can make different types of music, constantly market, and because what a lot of musicians and creative people struggle with is the business side. A lot mm-hmm. of my friends are creatives, and creative people ain't often good at business. No, 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 it's not. True. It's not there. Especially musicians, they're like, they're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to create something that balanced that out, and um, the guy that I do alloy with, Ivory, is a very good friend of mine's, and. Um, He's actually the guy that got me into music yeah. in early 2001, I think, on a professional level. Right. So we, and we'd always, we've, we've always been friends, but we always wanted to create a project together. Yes. Yeah. And so Alloy, I think we birthed it maybe 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I think that's why I saw something. Yeah. yeah. And so um, let's walk this way. I'll show you where okay. I, I bust my head when I was a kid. <laughs> And, it's um, just all these little alleyways little alleys, have little yeah. um, <laughs> stories to tell. They do, they have a lot of stories. <laughs> and um, and so, yeah, we created Alloy, which is um, a combination of our different styles. Yes. And we kind of pull it together, and that's where the term and not DG Alloy comes from. And Alloy is a is a combination mm-hmm. of two different elements that yep. create a stronger one. Yeah. And so that's where, ah, okay. that's what Alloy, that's where the name came from. Yeah. And we... Um, yeah, we've we've actually created a whole. I think we've got a whole album, and we started off marketing. I think we released two songs, mm-hmm. and again, similarly, we released the last one. When I was a kid, I, I fell off my bike. I think here I was trying to do a stunt there along that little along wall, this, this, this ramp. I think I, I went round it and yeah. done a bunny jump there and landed on my face. Oh my goodness! And literally, like said, this. 
a oh. bus this open, a bus that open. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so and so my poor mum, she used to go to hospital with us all the time. We were proper little boys. I bet you were. <laughs> and on the so-called hill, I drove down that one time on a bike. I was told not to ride. Yes. I snuck it out, I rode it, and I'd done a front flip and broke my arm. Oh, just over there, yeah. So. Your mum must have <laughs> torn yeah. her hair out. At least once or <laughs> twice a year someone was getting some sort of the baker boys (laughs) (laughs) something like that so yeah so i like yeah that was sort of the birth child of me and ivory and we was gonna basically yeah release this project but i was keen to use alloy and i guess new music as an opportunity to create a platform that can help artists myself an artist um, release and market music on our own terms. Okay. Yeah. You know, without yeah. spending ridiculous amounts of money. So that's basically, um, let's say, like a creative media agency called The Manor. I created that um, mm-hmm. just before then. And so okay. that's, yeah, another thing that I've. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the Property Shack came. And the very Property soon Shack came that, in 2017. Okay, so it's still quite young. It's very young, very young, very young. I came in and was like, right, I've got a bit of money and I'm going to make some moves. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I just started. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very keen to get started, but I had a good network of people around me. Yeah. I had a good network of investors. And how did it start then? Was it very much a case of like investing in a piece of land and then so i i i didn't start doing land to sort of later down we started off with refurbishments okay so we started off in london i'd done a couple in london mm-hmm. and then i went up north i thought like i'd get more bang for my bucks up north yeah so we went up north and started doing stuff there is that so your liverpool liverpool Manchester, any up, yeah, up north, northwest. Back to your mum's roots, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's if we can find it. Yeah, exactly. That's if it exists. But yeah, so <laughs> yeah, and I think with the property stuff, I just was super, super gun ho. I just went. I really, I really sort of pushed it. Just kept pushing it and um, focused yeah. a lot on that. Just pushed really hard on that because I just felt like. I had, I think the most dynamic change yeah. on this whole sort of entrepreneurial journey was kind of the property phase, primarily because of the type of industry it is, but then because of the type of people I was around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The network, yeah. the training I was doing, yes. and the actions I was taking. Okay. And then because of that, everything else kind of changed. So I changed my lifestyle. Right. I changed things that I read I changed my mindset yeah you know yeah. so that's where so it feels like I probably made the biggest change in the last couple of years yeah but it's probably because I've done the most change if that makes sense yeah but at the same time I say to people that the property part is kind of an amalgamation of my journey over the last 20 years yeah, yeah. so all of those losses lessons yeah they've yeah. all kind of come together and yeah yeah. Yes, they part. They're all part of little cogs of experience Definitely. come together and to create where 100%. you are now. So. Where things like little things, like just um, just something basic, like discipline. Yes. Now discipline, when I'm a bit better at it now, but before maybe 2005, 
I had my own office. We um, had an office underneath a clothing store in Ballam, and we used to make the clothes in the down in the in the basement. Yes. Sell them upstairs in the shop, and because it was my business, I always worked. So I'd work from I got to work until pretty much night time. Yeah. Go home and sleep and come back. So I pretty much I, could, I should have lived there, but my discipline was bad. So I'd answer the phone mm-hmm. during the day, speak to my friends. Okay, I'd be so on the phone for an hour to my friend. I might work yeah. and I feel like I'm working, yeah. but it wasn't the it was best type of... Yeah. yeah. So, and then I thought, well, I'm the boss. I'm turning up at 10 o'clock. Yeah. When you turn up at 10 and you're having a bit of a chin wag, you're not really going to start into the flow until about 12. Yeah. Yeah. By then you fancy something to eat. So you're not really, you know, and then it's like, <laughs> so you do that for a year or two and you realise yeah. this isn't the best type of work. Yeah. So yeah, now... Yeah. I don't have to learn those lessons again because yeah, I've been sure. through that and I spanked myself like you know that's no good yeah you know but I I actually went through it and realized it's, it's bad practice yeah so yeah. now it's like all right cool all the stuff I do now I find it easier to get into the groove yeah because I've been yeah. on a journey sure sure you know and that's a, it's a huge journey as well. That it's you. A, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I was just having a look at your the Property Shack website. Yes. Which is thepropertyshack.com, isn't it? Yes, thepropertyshack.com. Right, yeah. So we'll put that in the, in the show notes if people yeah. are interested to take a look. But And you've been doing quite a lot. What I, what I was interested in is also your um, connection to community, to you, to the youth, to young people giving back to community. Yeah. Um, do, um, interaction with ex-offenders yep. and all this and, and going into schools and talking yep. to them how how did i mean with all the things you're doing what's your drive why 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 are you doing that i feel like those things have to be done yep. have to be now people may not agree with me and i don't really expect them to mm-hmm. my experience is that um so obviously this is where i grew up it was a very different time back in the days and I guess it's different primarily because I was obviously a different age but my experience growing up was we went through a lot of things mm. and I feel like a lot of those things wouldn't necessarily happen if our circumstances were different so I used to get into a lot of trouble mm-hmm. I used to get a lot there was a lot of trouble it just and again you've got a lot of young kids a lot of testosterone adrenaline yep. and yep. there just wasn't a lot to do okay. and my thing is now, some people could say their environment dictates those social behaviours. You know, you're going to get estates and those things come with that. And to a certain extent, they're probably right. So my thing is, well, rather than looking outwardly for that to change, I yeah. think it should change inwardly. Mm-hmm. So rather than, you know, oh, the government should open more community centres and they should do this and they should, they should maybe spend a little bit more money in these kind of areas to help change those things, which... They should, but we can't expect them to because we'll just be waiting for the rest of our lives. (laughs) So I think it's down to people that have have it in them. It's down to entrepreneurs, it's down to people of the community, it's down to activists. Yeah. And and I'm passionate about it. Yeah. When I was when I was a kid, like I said to you, I always wanted to be a I always wanted to be a businessman or have my own business. Yes. And no one could help me with that no one understood it so for me I see those traits and I'm saying well rather than you guys using those traits for bad stuff yes playing around with with with, with naughty things 
I want to help give you an opportunity or create a platform yeah. so you can utilize those same skills, yeah. but just do legal stuff with it. Yeah. So it's channel, channeling the energy. Channeling the energy, yeah, yeah. Channeling the energy. But it coming from someone that they can relate to. Yes. Someone they can see, oh, okay, he gets it. Of course yeah. I get it. I, I was exactly the same. Because that's actually a question is that, but how did the young kids respond to you? How are you able to connect with them? On, in a way that doesn't seem patronising, or you know, I went through all of this. I know what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's um, your what's your uh, what's it, your secret formula? If there se- is one. <laughs> I don't have a formula. I guess I just um, I guess I just listen. I just try to. Well, go on, bro. You okay? I'm good, brother. Good to see you, man. Um, I just I just try to. I just try to listen. Yeah. I think at the same time I don't have all the answers because. I barely have dancers for myself. Yeah. So in terms of someone, I understand. I, I I can identify an issue. Yeah. And it's just about listening. Yeah. And it's a key, isn't it? Listening. It is key. Key listening is powerful, man. Sometimes that's half the thing, isn't it? That's the, a lot of the time it is. Just need to be listened to. People need to be listened to. People, especially young, especially young people generally. But I think young males. Mm-hmm. Um, especially from these kind of areas, no one really goes up to him and says to him like, "I'm proud of you guys. You know, I love you guys. You guys are. You have value." Yes. It's often misplaced, and it just comes out in a completely different way. So one of the things I do is I just listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I say who I am, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why I have to listen is as much as I can say to him, you know, I used to be like you, I can identify. They don't know that. No. And when they look at me, they're seeing the finished, polished of product. Course. And they're yeah. saying, you don't understand anything about me. You don't, you couldn't, you couldn't fathom that. They just look at me and say, there's no way you could. Yeah. Because you wouldn't. Yeah. 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 And then, I, and then it becomes a journey, contest. Wow, yeah. I was poorer than you. Yeah. Well, you've got trainers. At least you've got trainers. I didn't even have trainers. Then this, that's not the point. No. The point is, okay, what? What's the situation? What's the issue? And what do you think could help you? What would change? A lot of the time, they can kind of figure it out themselves. Mm-hmm. So I don't often give them a solution. I tend to ask questions that make them question themselves. Yeah, that's a much better way because it's it's coming from within them as it's well. Come from within and then them. You, you're you're proud of the of what you're learning about yourself. Yeah, I say to them like, what's what what's what would you change? Often I say to a lot of young people like. And I say, well, if you, you know, you want money, and you want money, 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 but what do you want the money for? Mm. What do you, and and even something as basic as that, a lot of people don't actually know. No. Most people don't know. Because if you knew what you wanted the money for, then you can work out how much you need. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, most people reckon, I need 10 grand a month. It's like, okay, that's a nice round number. Because I thought I needed 10 grand a month. Did you? When I started, yeah, I that's thought that's what I money. needed. It's a lot of money, but that's what I wanted. But when someone says, well, why do you want that? I didn't know. Yeah. I had no yeah. clue. Interesting. It's just, yeah. it's just it's, I want comfort. I don't want to struggle. Yeah. But 10, you might, you, it literally is relative to your, your circumstances. You might be able to clearly live. You might only need 1,500 pounds a month and you'd be not in a struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you wouldn't have the stress of trying to make the other eight and a half grand. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah. So, yeah. and often the people that do make that aren't always happy. Yeah, because it's not, also, the, mo- you it's, know. It's the strive, it's actually 
the focus of what you're getting the money for. If there isn't that focus, exactly. as you say, then you're, you're still lost at the end of you're getting the money in whatever way. You're still stuck. Yeah. You're, sti yeah. you're, you're still compromised. Where's your reason to be or reason to get up in the morning? Yes, and, that, and, and, that's, and that's the kind of thing I want to more work with them on. So yeah. it's... it's so yeah. when I when I do that work, I do it because I 100% believe in it. Yes. I do it because I feel that I can, and yeah. I do it because I think I feel like people with a voice, people with this, the strength and the energy should be doing that. Mm -hmm. I don't think people should um, have to sort of go out of their way. I think it's something that even if I spend a little bit of time doing, then that impact is enough. Yes. Yeah. To have, I'd rather do something than nothing. Um, and that's just something I feel pers like a personal kind of um, responsibility to contribute towards. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so you're going into schools with so that? So I've, I've done schools, um, colleges. I do one-on-ones. I mentor. I'm setting up something online. I just want to kind of build something that's sustainable. Yes. And so what we what I've managed to do is, I very recently set up a social enterprise, okay. and um, that is primarily to work with young people in various different ways and one of the things I'm keen to do is um, especially sort of the young people at risk and, and potentially sort of the ex-offenders and stuff like that yeah. is help them um, help them potentially integrate into property so on some of the, the, the developments that we we're going to be doing moving forward we use build systems called um, off-site manufacturing Right. And that's where the that's where a lot of the, the development is done internally. All of the stuff's built, put together internally, and then it's assembled on site. Like this modular. Modular, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's. I come it's from the building world. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I didn't realise that. I, go, I come from the very the opposite end to you because I was conservation of old buildings, you know, like oh, stone and water. Oh, wow. Yeah, and lime water. Oh, wow. So, so, I, that's so in brilliant. Some, ways, some ways, our two worlds are completely connected because you're. Because it's again, it's it's down to basic models, and I think in the middle, yeah, with all the building that's gone on, a lot of it's gotten a right mess, and it's yeah. not efficient, and it's yeah. dust. Materials are really bad, yeah. poisonous material, and now this whole modular thing. I suppose nicely moves on to my question yeah. to you about modular construction and efficiency, mm -hmm. and and this whole twenty uh, first century idea of of moving forward and in the construction industry yeah i mean how are you embracing it within I'm the like, property I'm, shack i'm the property shack is right at the front of the race with the, <laughs> saying like, to guys of course like, how, why am i not surprised right there <laughs> i mean everything i've always done is i believe innovation is always is key and yeah. i think the problem is with innovation people are scared of innovation mm -hmm. not all innovation is good mm. but i think with with this in particular the signs are there yeah. And, you know, they said look, we construction industry contributes like, massively to landfill. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. And we're throwing up buildings like crazy. And we've got these huge targets. We need like we're behind by like 300,000 homes in the UK. Yeah. So they've got these ambitious targets. And just for some reason, the construction industry has just been really slow to embrace a lot of it yeah, yeah for no particular reason i just think it's due to um it being very traditional yes and there's nothing wrong with traditional buildings at all i just think that they just neglect modern methods of construction just because just because they can ah mm. oh, i forget that 
there's nothing if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah it's yeah. like well it kind of is broke or yes. it could do with just looking at yeah but that's yeah. everything though as, as life's gone on we do that with with everything or we should do that with everything yeah. just look at stuff and see where we can improve unfortunately not to sound bad but just look at people like just look at like the blackberry and look at like blockbuster video and look at people that didn't embrace change and innovation yes yeah. uh, i heard a story that i think netflix or one of those went to blockbuster video did they years okay, ago did. and they was like that's never going to work <laughs> you know <laughs> to their to their demise yes and course, so yeah. for me it's like we need to think as a whole package a lot of the time construction people just think of their returns yeah i'm thinking yeah. of the building making the most of it getting the best out of it but you need to think as a community like who's how are the people that live, the tenants, how are they going to live and how is this going to work? And just making it all combined yeah. and and sustainable, making it safe. We've seen, obviously, there was Grenfell and a lot of the stuff. And that. Those things were issues and had been issues for a long time. Yeah. And they just wasn't addressed for whatever reason. Mm. Yeah, so for me, it's like, I think what I love with the offsite stuff is that because it's offsite, yes. it's more eco-friendly, it's more sustainable. Mm. It's, you know, the buildings will make a pretty much, they're almost 100% recyclable. Mm, mm-hmm. So that in itself is remarkable. Yeah, but yeah. then I feel like it being done in that kind of way, where it's internal, it's easier to then make things safer for people that work there, be more appealing to young people. Yeah. More appealing to, to everybody generally. But younger people, it's, it's not the old, ah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a brickie on site. Imagine being <laughs> out working today. You yeah, know, on well, site. I know. It's so, bad enough walking around with the doing exactly. So <laughs> it's about it's again, and it's because we have the option to do that. Yeah. We couldn't go through the park because we've got the option to do that. We can do that, and yeah. I feel like it's an opportunity to get young people, get more women in the trade, yes. just really yeah. kind of balance stuff out. Yeah, and it's not as though it's a new thing, really. I mean, it's not a new the, thing. You had the prefab housing. Yeah, you know, the, literally, and that was uh, that was so popular and now they've probably all been knocked down because of the land value yeah yeah also uh, i i've traveled in new zealand quite a long quite a few years ago now they've been doing it for years yeah they have because the first time when i I think it was like the second week i was in new zealand and i was staying this friend's house and opposite they said oh they're moving house and literally they were moving they just moved the the whole house they literally they just it goes in two halves goes on a big lorry yeah and uh, and went to the new site, and all was left left was the bit of land. And I just think that is incredible. Like you just you do move your whole house, and and, and literally. So you got Austria, you got Germany, yeah. You got all these European countries. You got America. You got you know um, Australia. That's that's been doing this. Yeah. yeah. And the UK we're traditionally we're, we're very conservative people, mm. as you know. We know mm. we're, we're British, darling. You know we we do <laughs> things in our own stride. Yeah. But and that's cool. But it's. There has to be a point when it's like we don't want to become the blackberry no no we don't you don't want to be that why yeah. like what it's not for any particular reason yeah so obviously i get we have we got some amazing buildings we've got beautiful and obviously that's your side where you know we have the kind of the old historic yeah, we've got we've got some that. amazing we historical do, but we buildings. don't need everything but, that's the thing it's it's making judgment calls but, but and... not everything is that no, no. So no. the ones that are 100%, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even look at them. Yeah. That's where specialists come in. That's where, you know, they're going to have value that's that's unmatched. Mm-hmm. You know, as one especially like, you know, in places like London, it's it's, it's on a whole another level. But where it is designed 
for purpose, yeah, we yeah. can do a lot with that. Yeah, we can do a lot with that. I'm working on projects at the moment where I'm looking at sort of local areas, and I want to get some of the local people involved in the development, okay. utilizing right. offsite, and it's like that would kind of change the mindset and the mentality of people involved or people in that community. Yeah, I feel yeah. like we've contributed to this. Yeah. Yeah. We've had some sort of say in its in the way it's been put together, but then we was involved in doing that. Yeah. And so it just means that things are more self-sufficient and they can grow in an organic so, kind of so way. In a, so in a way, you're you're almost thinking of like having a kind of pop-up factory almost, or a construction in uh, to create the mod the modular bits that could, the people. Well, will that's come and that's help. definitely Is a that, model. That's that a, that's that's yeah. A, yeah. That's a model that we we've. we've um, that we've been looking at, we've yeah. been thinking about. That's that's a model that um, would could potentially work. Mm -hmm. It just again depends demographically on on the area, what's needed in terms of construction and stuff. Yeah, that's definitely something that could work. Hundred percent. Okay. 100%. okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So the property shack is is uh, pushing boundaries. We'd, you have to. You have to push. Like <laughs> I do. said, we're definitely not going to be Blackberries. Uh, no. So <laughs> good to hear. <laughs> we're not blockbuster video. We're not any of those things. And they were very again not to not to disrespect those brands because no. they were they the biggest thing they had yeah. their moment but they were also given opportunities to grow with the times and they both turned it down yeah they yeah. both turned it down you know yeah. blackberry's like well we don't need to do an operating system like that why would we we're yeah. blackberry yeah and then it's like and it could happen to any of us yeah it yeah. could happen to it's any a, of us it's a it's a it's a salutary lesson as they say isn't it 100 percent always keep looking over your shoulder because you never know you never know um, what's but then behind you but then even your shoulder is looking at your market what mm. do your your customers you can learn a lot from them yeah their needs their their um i think the funny thing with the iphone was that they said no one needed they no one knew they needed one until they saw it <laughs> exactly but when it came phew, yeah. You know, so for me, it's, it is it is just looking at the market and understanding it. Yeah. So with the housing and stuff, I can, we, you know, we look at it and you can understand it. A lot of it just isn't designed for purpose. It's just designed for money, I'd say. Yeah. Yes. I don't see why you can't do both. I love your your thinking and your your perspective on, on these things, because I think we need more people like you to be looking at I mean, construction and I think I think one of the one of the things with way. I think what changed my perspective, the, fun, the funny thing with money is when you don't have it, I can't speak for everybody, but for myself, because I didn't grow up with any, those things were very tight. All I wanted was money. Mm. I just wanted money and not in a way that not in a sort of really negative, nasty way. But I just felt like money would change our lives. It would change the way we lived. And let's go this way so we don't get really it. And then you get money or you or you be around people that have money, mm. nice people that's yeah. got money, not greedy people. And you realize that it's um, like rich dad, poor dad. His whole thing was, you know, you can make money by serving. Yeah. And and I liked that. I didn't know how I could serve. Mm -hmm. And as time progressed, I realized. So now my my attitude to money is money is just a byproduct of good work. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah, good yes. work. How can I really serve? How can I change the game? How can I provide a service that's going to help people 
or that people actually want? What can make people's lives better? Yeah. And I think if I, so with property, if I'm essentially doing that just at scale. Okay. And so, do, you, um, do, you, do you find, sorry, I'm cutting across you. That's right. um, right. I was going to say, have you found now that it, in your mind, you, you're making money. Yep. Um, you're really enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. Have there been any things that have been a, a negative from it for you? In terms of? I don't know. But that's for, what make that's, it in, what for, making in, money like or making money and um, has there been or anything that surprised you from now that you're making money and you're doing <laughs> the things you're doing yeah that that things that sometimes are there ever, ever moments when you wish you could turn the clock back and you you weren't in the position you're in oh um not necessarily this i think whatever your circumstances are there's things that ain't great yeah so often people people often say that you know making money doesn't make you happier and often people say they've had happier moments when they didn't have the money yeah i think that often is because of their environment and their circumstances and maybe their their peers or whatnot i could see how that would happen mm. one of my things was um i never wanted to be a victim of my own success i always wanted to be successful but i never wanted to be successful to the point where I couldn't come back to my mum's estate. Yeah, and that's I couldn't so come nice back to the end. I couldn't come saying, "Hey, how are you yeah, doing?" Yeah, because they have to. Because yeah. I think you have to be a real person. Yes. I think oftentimes those people, when they get the money, they change. Yes, yeah. And you shouldn't change. You should be yourself. Definitely. And I focus on value. So um, I think as that's long as you're doing the, as long as you're doing the right things, money, you're always going to have some sort of issues. Like there's always things. One of the things I notice with making money is you, you've got to spend more. <laughs> or there's more people that want it yes. you know yes. taxes and this and that there's people that always reckon i owe them something you yeah. know oh you haven't paid for this so oh, did you realize when you bought this property you now owe this oh, wow that's <laughs> <laughs> often someone's trying to take it yeah and that is unfortunate it's it's, it's like you're being penalized for doing well i hate that that part i actually hate you know you don't want to be sort of rely on the system you go out, you grind for 20 years, yes. you make something, and then say, oh, by the way, yeah, we'll have that, we'll have that, we'll have yeah. that, we'll have that. And that doesn't feel good. Yeah. But I remind myself that everyone that has something worth having is going for the same thing. Yes. So I'm not unique. No. Like, you know, paying, paying 40% in taxes is awful, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know? And if you can, I mean, it also makes you more wise to how you can use that money in another way but exactly so that it's not exactly. taken at 40 percent. and if you can if you can put it in towards like your your, your charity or your trust and there's and, schemes and there's loads of different ways yeah you know you've got you've got you've you got seed it. enterprise funding you've got all of these different things yeah. and obviously savvy entrepreneurs know about all of that and it's not even that you're not trying to you're trying to get out of pain it's just that you're trying to say, well, actually, I can do more with, with this. It. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Because the people that are getting it, they're not actually doing the best with it. No. So let's be honest, you know, let's not play that game. Yeah. So, and, and, and they're the same, if not worse. So mm -hmm. for me, it's, it's not so much about having it because I'm not a big spender. Mm -hmm. I don't really buy expensive stuff. No. Not really. Not for myself. Yeah. Value, value money. You value what, it, what, you, what think, you need and, I think, and yeah, uh, you get you what you need. buy it for. Just yeah, you get what you need. What the, I think the good thing is money gives you options. Mm -hmm. 
and ultimately everyone gets what they want I think what I like is just to be able to do stuff yeah the freedom to create the freedom to to do things um, so like yeah given the opportunity to make money I want to create platforms where I can help people or do everything so I can create a platform where we could get essentially a build system where we can go build lots of stuff but I can then employ people that may not have the opportunity to get that kind of employment or training or skill set yeah. that they can then go on and do their own thing yes yeah become self-sufficient you know again times have changed look at retail look at look at logistics yeah. look at look at stuff like Amazon mm-hmm. people a lot of people were upset when he created stores that have no staff in them yeah but at the same time the flip side is that is there are a large number of people that make a living off of Amazon mm-hmm. so it's not really him it's just about adjusting the way you do your thing yeah yeah which brings me on to yet another question um sorry it's very cold no it's fine, <laughs> it's fine. Walking. It's fine. <laughs> which what was the name of the park that we this went is called to? Heathbrook Park Heathbrook Park so yeah, did yeah. you spend a lot of time in that yeah park yeah this, well? there's actually uh, this is probably so like I said when I was a kid I lived in the, the flat down the bottom of the hill yes and this is the first park I've probably ever been to okay. obviously it didn't look like this no. um, all of those years ago but this was literally there's pictures of me as like probably not one yeah. And I was in here. Oh, really? okay, so I look so, yeah. at here and I'm like, this is... <laughs> Honestly, don't look very like sophisticated, this, but... very sophisticated there now for yeah. kids. <laughs> With all their rubber matting the... and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, so that's <laughs> it. So when we were kids, it was just gravel. Yeah, and like some one of my younger brother, he's had his teeth knocked out. Oh, no one's had his head split. And then I remember when gravel became a thing. Not sorry, the, the rubber the, yeah. became a thing. And we was like, wow, it's yeah. like a springboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So what was that? Oh yes. So coming back to this, uh, the, the whole property industry, but also as a result of coronavirus, COVID nineteen yes. lockdowns, yes. the the way people are now seeing their future, certainly in the Western world, and, and maybe just in a short term, we will that's yet to be to play its course. But a lot of people, more people, are going to be working from home. Yeah. And with that comes another way that we all view home and yeah. the functions of home yeah and has that for you is that having an impact on how you're thinking in the future in terms of modular designs and it has and to homes? because the home are want the homes. home has to reflect what you do in it yes it has to and so obviously a lot of things are designed for purpose so there's people who build hmos for students there's people build hmos for working professionals what, what do you say h a hmo What's so that? a house of multiple occupancy. Oh, sorry, so, yes, HMO. Yeah, HMO, yes. yeah. So it's understanding, and this is why I'm saying with the developers, is it's when you're building, who's this for? Yes, yeah. Where is it? Where is it? Who's it for? Because then that just dictates the price of it. That dictates what you can sell it for. It dictates the look and the feel. And everything has a part to play in that. And my thing is, I want to give value. Mm-hmm. I, you have to give... I feel like if you give value and you do... You, you build stuff in the right way and always make money because yep. it's designed with people in mind. Yes, yeah. So for me, with the way things are, and you've got to remember, I've always worked from home. Have you? Okay. I always have. Yeah, yes. I've never really so had a conventional you, job. Yeah, so for so you, So I've it's always done this. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people that have struggled, they've, you know, they've done COVID and thought, oh man, this is crazy. I'm like, this is, 
Welcome to my world, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is normal. This is normal. Working, just, working off the kitchen table. A lot of people struggle. Again, yeah, like I said, yeah. me, 15 years ago, I struggled. Yeah. yeah. I was like, um, you know, it gets about five o'clock in a day, four o'clock. And I'm like, I haven't done anything. This is awful. And so I had to like play little tricks with myself. Like today, you're the boss. Yeah. So you're the boss. I work for you. And so what would I do? Like if you was my boss, I wouldn't be on the phone. Mm. Yeah, because and I would tell you off. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to do play those little mind games. Yeah. So it's understanding now with people, with families, um, people having to work from home, it's having that in mind. How does that look? How does that feel? Speaking to people, what do you think you would need? So a lot of people, I'd, I'd, I need a garden now. I would love to have yes. maybe a garden. I want to have an office space. I want to have a study in a house that allows me to work effectively. So it's like, how does that look? And so it, it's having those things in mind. So a lot of the stuff that we're looking at now with our um, offsite build systems, a lot of people are getting in contact are people that live in the city mm -hmm. that want to now move further out because yeah. they want the garden. Yeah, yeah. They want the garden office. I've been looking at um, office pods for people's gardens because of, since COVID. Yeah. The interest yeah. in that has spiked because people want that space. They do, yeah. So sure. that's, that's definitely had an impact and it's definitely changed. I've, it hasn't just changed my view to, to just COVID. It's just changed how I approach everything generally. It should always be led with the user in mind. Yeah, you know. Definitely, definitely. The other thing that came up from COVID nineteen coronavirus in, and in the summer was this the whole Black Lives Matter yep. movement. Yep. Did that have a a big impact on you? I mean, uh, and your family and the estate around here, and and how you viewed that, and. How, how do you see that going forward? I, uh, without being too political about it, it was more a case of from your from your stance and growing up and um, in London particularly. Sorry, um, big question. No, it's a big, <laughs> it's a great question because it because it, it it had a profound effect. It was one of those things that affected everybody. Everyone was affected. Yes. Um, black, white, everyone was affected. Yeah. And affected in different ways. Um, Unfortunately for me, I'm kind of numb to it. I feel like sort of black people have been on the receiving end of that kind of behavior for such a long time. Mm. I wasn't even shocked when it happened. Yeah. Because there was, there's, there, there was deaths prior to it. There's been deaths since, yes. you know, and it's just been like, when does it end? Yeah. And yeah. I think, and yeah, unfortunately I was quite numb. I was a bit like, you know, this is just, it's just what happens, unfortunately, and, and I'm sick of it. it. It it feels horrible to think that, because one of the things with how it affects me personally, and people won't necessarily see it, is those people, when I see those people, so for instance, Droid Flawed, that's me. Mm. Because the only reason I'm not dead is because I live here. Mm -hmm. If I lived in his neighborhood and I was out in my car at that, specific time then that would be me yeah. it's as simple as that so it, it in that sense it's always bothered me my personal relationship with police is is, is, is terrible is it terrible yeah i i don't go as far to say as i hate them but it's it's not good mm. at all so i live here yeah when i was eight 
just across the road to where I met you. Yeah. Across the road, I was grabbed by police as an eight-year-old, and they basically stopped me and said, and I was petrified. <laughs> it was course, like a scene from yeah, a film. Yeah. They came, cars went, and they surrounded me, grabbed me, and said, "Someone's just burgled a house, and you, know, you fit the bill." And I was like, "You're eight years I'm old. I'm eight. I'm still in primary school." And I remember being scared. I couldn't really speak. I didn't really know what to say. I was just in shock. Yeah. And then they kind of was like, okay, cool. And then they realized actually he's a kid. And it's like, but they didn't know I was a kid. Why didn't they know I was a kid? Because they just saw just a black person. So they thought born criminal. So everything else was missing. Yeah. And yeah. so I've been dealing with that since then. Mm. And I've had loads of personal injustices you know my mum's house used to get raided when we were younger we've had possessions taken from us I've physical occasions with them my brother's been attacked so my relationship with them is terrible okay. I don't think all of them are bad I think there's a massive problem with the way they understand things their yeah, understanding yeah. Is, is poor yeah they definitely need a better understanding to do that job or willing be willing to understand things more, you know, be more open-minded. And because I couldn't approach life in that same manner. No, I couldn't no. go into a situation without knowing stuff, just put hands on people. No, no. You know, and that's, and that's essentially what, what they've done historically. So for me, Black Lives Matter was just like, um, it was sad. It was sad that I wasn't shocked. Mm -hmm. It's sad that it happened. It happened in forced a lot of very uncomfortable conversations. Yes. And, and and obviously it caused all of them, you know, the marching and it caused more understanding to be taken place, more conversations to be had. And it definitely made somewhat of a change, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's definitely further for us to go and explore these things. But um, as far as me personally, yeah, I was sad. I didn't actually speak on it publicly mm -hmm. um, because what, I started to notice happening was that people were using it as a platform to yeah. kind of um, I don't think the conversations that were happening were were productive yeah there was a lot of um, back and forth hate yeah. and I get it because the situation's not good mm -hmm. but um, it was hard to it was hard a hard thing to maneuver a hard thing to kind of to really I don't know get to the bottom of um, so for you, you yourself, what I mean, I think probably is it things like helping the kids in the in the estates here. Yeah. Is that your way of? That has to be a very positive step towards giving young kids confidence. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Not a not a um, inferiority complex. Hundred percent. Um, and, and, and all and these things, and also recognizing just respect for. The individual, the whoever individ the individual, yeah, whoever is, the whatever individual age is. the individual is, yeah, um, wherever they're from, you know, a hundred percent. Because um, I guess you know, you get old and you realise there's quite a lot of disparity in, in society. But growing up here was very working class, yeah. and I think generally everyone was the same. Yeah, black, white, we're just all yeah. the same. Yeah. So we all kind of just were together. Yeah, and so it's only when you come, we came out of this, and it's like, actually, what people judge me that doesn't make sense yeah. and so I've always sometimes I can be a bit ignorant um in both ways so ignorant to the fact that it exists 
But then when I realise I'm ignorant to what people care, think I don't really care. Yeah. So um, me giving back to young people, I'm really arming them with, it's almost like um, I want to help give them a, a level up, give them a, a good start, a, head, a bit of a head start yeah. or a help because I didn't have it when I was young. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like my circumstances would have been very, very different if I had a me when I was 10. Yeah. So if I went back 30 years and said, dude, do this and do this and do this, it'd be a, it'd be a game changer. Yeah. So not that I'm trying to save the world because that's not what it's about, but it's about being present. And I've often taken all of those negative energies and they drove me to do well. Yeah. So yeah. when the police did all that, and people have done, sorry, I swore, I don't know if that's all right. right, I'll just, yeah? I'll just, just block it Okay, cool. When, people, when those things have happened to me, it's easy to get upset because yes. it's upsetting. Of course but it is. But often, yeah. those things drive me. So they're drivers for me. Yeah. So when, when all of this is happening, one of my things is to um, anybody that, people that have issues with other people because of their race or their color or anything, one of my remedies is just to, um, it's just to win. I just go out and win stuff. You know, I just go out and do phenomenally well. I, can't, I couldn't think of anything worse for someone that had an issue with me because yeah. of my, my skin, for instance. Someone that didn't like black people and they saw me just winning. That's enough. I don't need to do more than that. Yeah. And yeah. so in part of me winning is giving back to people, help supporting people who I can. Yeah. And... Um, and that's anybody that can relate to me. So it's not just young black kids. It's just, I understand that working with those particular kids, there was more impact because of my experience. Right. And they, I was relatable. I worked as a residential care worker for two years. Mm -hmm. At one stage when I was trying to save money for one of our, we're saving money to exhibit our clothing brand. Yes. And I was working in Surrey. And it was great work. I always felt like anybody could have done that job. Well, I feel like, that same work here helps when you understand those people, those kids, when you can, when you can relate on another level. Yeah. You know, and, and I always said to myself, I want to do more of that. I want to kind of utilize that. So um, Black Lives Matter was definitely a blow. And um, I think the fact that it allowed a lot of people to kind of understand what's been happening mm -hmm. and understand that it's very wrong and it needs things need to change yeah is um it's a good start um, it was definitely progressive yeah. yeah i think it's just it's getting the right people in the right the right places, places 100%. to, to actually 100%. also to drive it forward in a way that's positive for for everybody and you get more people on board and it has to be and some and people and are scared to be on board a lot they? of people are scared i saw a lot of people that were scared a lot of people are fearful. A lot of, again, it's the, you know, we spoke about being British and, 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 and we're very traditional and, we you know, and so there's yeah. a lot of things that just are the way they are because that's what it is. Yeah. Guys, we don't want change. It's, it's different. And it's like, yeah, but don't be blockbuster video. <laughs> no, exactly. You know, let's not do that. It's, it's not going to end well. And, and so what we saw was almost a revolution. Like, you know, people then, people were torn like, oh, but, but what about our history and this sort of stuff with the statues? And it's like, well, did you notice that? That wasn't even black people that did that. Yeah, that exactly, was just, those people were just, that's people. You're neglecting people. Mm. People are fed up of that. 
Yeah. And it doesn't change history, it just changes how we view history and, and who we put on pedestals. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. It had its whatever moment in time. It had its and moment. It's and, 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 and this is now a moment. Yes. And it's understanding that we all have the ability to create moments. Mm. And this is the creation of a moment. Yeah. And, um, and I, I believe that. I, I think, you know, we all have power. And I want to use my power to do those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You've got a lot of work to do, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> How many years are you going to planning to be on this planet then? <laughs> do you do what you can until you can't, you yeah, know? Yeah, I know. And, and it's enjoying it. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, I believe in life by design. I wouldn't say these things if it was a burden to me. No. If no. someone said, oh, you know, you need to then go and, I don't know, you need to do this particular activity with this, this particular group of people, that might not be something that resonates to me. So it's like, well, I'm not the best person at doing that thing. Yeah, Because exactly. that doesn't, that it's doesn't, it's not attached to any of my passions and yeah. it just doesn't work, so. Yeah, kind of talking about passions, roots, all that kind of thing. Have you explored your ancestral roots? Oh, that's a good one. My ancestral roots, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't know. I mean, my ancestral roots go back to the Irish, um, possibly Scots, maybe Spanish but I'm still exploring where mine really go back like okay. through the generations. Okay, you mean like that? Yeah, and then I want to go on a journey trying to find where they were and like my, my great-great-grandfather was in was a travelling minstrel in India and oh, wow. places. I haven't been to India, but yeah. that, that kind of thing. I just wonder whether you... That stuff, that stuff is amazing. I haven't done a lot of it. Unfortunately, my... Um, how did you do that? Did you do it Well, I'm online? still doing it. I'm still okay, trying okay. to find it. And okay. that, but it's just like... It's, it's something that I want to do, but I haven't, it's something, I think it's really important that we all can trace ourselves back. Well, maybe it's not important. No, it, it, it I tell you what's you important. Sense, I tell you a sense of perhaps what a part of you is that yeah. perhaps you don't always understand why you like something. And that's exactly <laughs> it. Because, right, I don't think, unfortunately, um, not to put, put my parents down or anything, but there's elements in that situation where things haven't been sort of, not say heirlooms, but information hasn't been handed down. Okay. Family information, okay. you know, whether they didn't know it themselves. Yeah. So my mum, unfortunately, didn't grow with her parents. Okay. She was put in care. Um, so she doesn't know a lot right. of her family. Okay. And so we grew up kind of knowing immediate family, but not much about the history right. and so i just crack on i'm a person so all right just do yeah. what i do yeah and i get on with it and sometimes again i've learned to take things that might not make you feel good yeah i use them as drivers yeah so those things where there's lack when you're young sometimes that bothers people so i got older and said right i'm just gonna just be the best version of myself now this isn't necessarily ancestral but my mum so she didn't grow up with her dad um, she knew of him yes, and she'd tell us about him but she didn't know that much because she was a little girl and um, since the internet changed so obviously the internet kind of came about in my lifetime so I remember when it was non-existent then it's, and obviously it's grown over time yeah. now she told me about this dude she didn't really have much information on him but as the internet grew I remember I'd searched for him once in like 2008 didn't see much and 2012 there's more information and now there's even more Okay. And so her dad, so he'd be my maternal grandfather, was actually 
a, a black activist. Was he? He was a playwright. Yeah. He was a playwright and he was an activist. Okay. And he was uh, apparently the, the first black playwright to have his play spoken on the air on the BBC radio. Really? And there's pictures of him at BBC doing it. Okay. And I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. But that wasn't fed to me to her. I think she knew it, but she didn't fully know the extent. So I Googled that yeah. and found that. Um, never met him. As an activist, he was one of the early people that was involved in the Black Panther movement in London. Okay. I think it was Brixton at the time. Yeah. And as a result of that, I think he was deported. And was he, he went on to live elsewhere. I think he moved to... He was, he moved to America and done stuff there. Right. But when I looked at him and I saw the stuff he did and what he did, and I thought, that's where I get my energy from. <laughs> it has to be. Yeah. Because it's so like, it's so profound. Yeah, yeah. And I think my mom has it, but as a man, it's just there in me. I just, it's just, that's what it is. And so I saw that. And that's only in the last sort of maybe couple of years. I've seen this and I've identified with that energy and I thought that's where mine's comes from right 100% comes yeah. from that because that's directly your that's your family yeah but sometimes you have ways and you don't really know where it comes from well I've yeah. always said oh, I'm just like that yeah but yeah. I think there's nature and nurture there. definitely so with the family stuff it's interesting you say that I would like to do more information and and reach out and try and find some families are just not good at keeping things together no, or, uh, more or connecting more and exactly and more and more stuff's going online but it also leads you down the wrong routes as well and you think you found but you know i just keep hitting hitting a wall yeah maybe i've it got to go to india to it, find will, it will come and i thought yeah. about doing the same thing I've, i i did one of those dna things did you um i did 23 and me yeah a lot of people like don't do that to have your details i'm like dude <laughs> what did it, I what don't did care. it discover what did it... um so it tells you literally I could share it with you afterwards. It tells you kind of your makeups. It says that you're um, sub-Saharan. I can't fully remember, but it goes fully back to essentially what you are in, in percentages. Your percentage wow. this, your percentage that, percentage this. Okay. And then what's incredible with it is other people that do it, Yeah. it connects you. So I've met like second cousins, third cousins, fourth cousins, none of them are in this country they're like i've got loads of family overseas really and yeah, yeah. and i've connected so with some of them in, in but it tell it tells you literally how you know how close you're connected okay. so so you could have a sibling yeah yeah and i'll say to you, this person is, is probably a brother or sister because yeah. you're so your dna is so alike and obviously i don't know exactly how it works but yeah. i've met yeah i've met second cousins online third cousins fourth cousins and sometimes it's it's not accurate, yeah. but you're definitely related. Okay. So it might not That's be accurate in, in the position they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, and I just thought, well, that's, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Because again, you might meet someone and you're exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. I saw an example, there's a, there's a rapper who did it and he posted a video. A guy contacted him and said, look, I've done this test and your match is closer than my actual sisters. <laughs> Okay. And he said, well, we must be brothers. <laughs> and they met up. And yeah, they were brothers. They had the same dad. That's extraordinary. Yeah. And they met up. Whoa. And the guy said, like, they spoke on the phone. He said, where do you live? He says, I live there. And he said, wow, I, I, that's not far from me. I, I'll come out and see you. He said, where do you work? He said, I work in an Apple store and so on. So he said, I'm in, that, I'm in there all the time. <laughs> that's obviously a, that's a really nice story. 
But yeah. um, what was it? What's the test called again? Me? The test that I did is called Twenty Three Me. And 23andMe is actually owned by Google. Is it? Okay. Yeah, so a lot of people are like, no, 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 you don't <laughs> want Google. No. I mean, there, are, there, there probably are others and some people do. I think maybe Ancestry.com or whatever it is, but um, yeah. I'd, I'd love to know all of that stuff. I yeah. really would. Yeah, yeah. I really would. Especially, like you said, the historical side. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. no, no. But we've got so much to do, just living day to day and getting on exactly, with things. And, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so on a on a day to day basis, are you a cook? A cook? Yeah. I'm not, you know. <laughs> I'm not. Now I get slated for it all the do time. I, yeah. I, 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 so, what's your favourite food then? Don't um, say McDonald's. <laughs> no, I don't really eat McDonald's. Good for I stopped. You. I stopped <laughs> eating it. Yeah. I, I I eat it now, but I stopped. I think I stopped for like ten years. And then, and then not recently, but like two years ago, randomly, I just had a double cheese sandwich <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> I think you got your taste for I it spend, again. <laughs> kind of, yeah, which is bad. But I spend so much time on the road. It was like, there's times when that's just the only thing, yeah, but I'd never yeah. opt for it. Yeah. Um, I like, I work really hard and I'm not really a big spender, but one of my things is I go out and eat. Okay. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a foodie, People say, oh, I'm a foodie, I'm a foodie. I go out and eat, you know. I go to nice restaurants. But the problem is people say, the amount of money you probably spend is ridiculous. Mm. Right? But that's my thing. You know, it's, what, <laughs> it's, my tr it's almost like a treat. Yeah, now, so what you, are you doing at the moment then when everything's been closed? Well, to be <laughs> fair, it's, it's obviously, I do, I do it as and when. Yeah, of course. So yeah. I mean, it, it is a treat, so I don't go over the top. I often eat it by myself, but it, I do enjoy calling my friends and saying yeah, let's go for food right. so exactly. you know i love japanese i uh -huh. love italian i love thai so it, it's nice to be able to work really hard yeah. and eat that yeah you know that's a nice thing for me yeah. i wouldn't even say i'm a big drinker i'm generally uh i eat food okay <laughs> and i've got a sweet tooth so and you got a sweet tooth they've got, really? they got a nice dessert oh man i'm in I'm you're in right in there i'm right in there i'm in there like swimwear so <laughs> um have you had an opportunity to travel much then? Um, have you got I, places on? Is it in your? Is it in your DNA? Is it in your feet? You, have you got itchy feet to go places? Right, I I stopped travelling. Okay. I I say stopped travelling. I just didn't travel for a number of years because I my was grinding. I wouldn't even say working. I was grinding. Yeah. That's like work. I was ten exit. And, um, what do you call it? Ten X. Like ten X. So I was just doing ten times. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but I, I neglected traveling. I only say neglected because not that I regret it, but now I can see that I should have still made time for it. Yeah. Uh, well, prior to that, over the years, I've traveled quite a lot. Okay. So it was a conscious effort to not travel, just because. Um, yeah, I was. My head was in the game, and that was just this is it, um, this is what I focus on now, you know, this is work. And when you're working, you make sacrifices. I never went out. For maybe like five years straight, I worked. In five years, I took off, I think, six Saturdays. Oh my goodness, yeah. okay. That is working hard. That's working hard, that's, gr yeah. that's grinding. That really is You know, grinding. that's grinding. And As you so, say, 10x. So yeah, I was 10xing. <laughs> and so when a lot of people saw me making moves, I said, yeah, but I don't know if you'd be prepared to do what I did to get this. Yeah. And not that I think that you should, 
but yeah. that's what I felt I needed to do because yeah. I didn't have no other options. Yes, I yeah. didn't have, I ain't got friends or family or investors that I could say, look, invest in this idea. I didn't have that side. So I'm going to work every single day. And when I'm not working, I'm working. Yeah. You know, so when I'm not working, actually working, I'm on a laptop. I'm yeah. thinking of what I need to do to progress. So, you know, the little side hustles or whatever you can do. So travel to a back seat. But I always wanted to travel. And then I spoke to friends and my family and one of my cousins. He said, bro, you can never neglect traveling. Never, ever. Don't do that again. And so <laughs> I was like, right. 2020 yeah so i had penned in oh, so it was no. my mum's 60th yeah. this year yeah so oh, we, we wow. was going to go to jamaica oh. to take her to jamaica Actually, i saw your lonely planet jamaica yeah guide yeah, yeah 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 so we was going to go to jamaica yeah. i was going to take my brother jamie to see a lakers game he's going to go to la yeah i wanted to spend some time in atl and look at some stuff there i wanted to take my daughter to croatia we was oh, gonna go to so I had all these so all, many yeah yeah I was like I'm again I'm overcompensating now <laughs> I'm gonna tra I'm traveling at least four times this year um, for me I was really looking forward to it. yeah I've not traveled for about five years no way. this is gonna be it <laughs> this is and the then, new, then can you believe it <laughs> I was like oh, oh man planning even, was bad oh yeah yeah planning was bad <laughs> I should have squeezed it in in 2019 yeah. some people are still traveling yeah um, that's true they some are. people are still traveling. But I when you've got other commitments and you've got your family yeah well. and i just kind of thought like well none of my stuff was like urgent like that so i will go when it makes sense yeah you yeah. know so again still grinding but i'm still going to go to those places yeah that's good so out of the places that you have visited mm -hmm. where's had the biggest impact on you oh great question um biggest impact could be impact for whatever reason for different reasons yeah, yeah. um I've been to Rome twice. Okay. And the first time I went to Rome, it blew me away. I think it was like the architecture and yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, place, just because I didn't really know what to expect. Yeah. And I went kind of by accident. Did <laughs> you? Like, I think you go to Rome by accident. <laughs> <So> what, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened basically, right? So at the time I was at my sixth form for my school. I was doing photography, mm -hmm. and the school had they'd set up this student exchange kind of thing yeah and one of my friends was meant to go he wanted to go mm -hmm. and um well he asked his dad if he could go i think he wanted his dad to give him the money okay. to go right and so he kind of just wanted to get the money from right. his dad and his dad ended up paying his dad probably was smart and said nah 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 i'll pay the school so his dad paid the school and he was ah. like do you know what i don't even want to go so he was like you can go if you want I was like, you sure? He said, yeah, I have no interest in getting I wow. just wanted the money. And so I was like, all right, cool. And so I went and it was amazing. Uh, yeah. I had, so, I hadn't, because I wasn't anticipating going. Yeah. I don't think I could have, would have had the money to go. And yeah. so we went and again, so I stayed with a family and they didn't speak any English. <laughs> I didn't speak any Italian and, um, it was just an amazing experience. So I was there for like three weeks. I felt like I lived there. Wow. By the time I came back, I walked different. I was like, hey. <laughs> this is where you got the whole idea for fashion and clothes, eh? Wait, it was, it was such a... And so because I did that, yeah. I went to college over there. So I got the full culture. I didn't feel like I was a tourist. Okay, I lived with a family. Yeah. I lived there. We ate their food. We ate, and, and they didn't speak English. So they spoke to me. 
In like, Italian, so you yeah. kind of just got when someone don't speak what you speak, you you communicate in other ways. You do. Yeah. So he, his sister could speak English, so she'd say stuff. But they, like you just learn things. And I used to watch the telly. Yeah. This is this was a long time. I was seventeen at the time, <laughs> so there was no international channels. There was no Netflix. Yeah. It was just just Italian TV. And after a while. It just starts to make sense. Yeah, yeah. You kind of oh, okay, I like this. Oh, I like this show. <laughs> and um, the guy I was staying with, he had like an older cousin and she took a liking to me. And we ended up like sort of being close. And I remember the only references I had for um, Italian was, was what I'd watched in film. Yeah. So Matthew films. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say, okay, what does that mean? And I'd, so all the words I knew were from films. Yeah. And they was like, and they found they found it quite funny. <laughs> Where did you get that from? And I said, the, the films. Yeah. That's, that's the only <laughs> reference I have. Um, you know, it's the same as when you go to, like a lot of my friends in Paris, they learn to speak English through music. Yeah. So they listen yeah. to rap music and that's how they learn English. So, so you could tell, I used to speak to them and say, why do you sound American? Yeah. They say, that's, that's what we listen to. So it was kind of <laughs> like that. So when I was yes. turning in my Italian words, I was saying like, this and that and this and that and they said where'd you get that from i said films yeah. you know i watch the, the, this is the only references i have so i've watched that film i've watched godfather i've watched this i've watched that and these are the words they say what does that mean and they said well that means that and so they said oh so you like mafia and i said well yeah it's great <laughs> so they, they introduced me to one of the guys brought his cousins around and they were like mafia guys and they took me around the city oh and it, it was like like you, I couldn't make that up no, and I couldn't no. and I couldn't have got an experience like that had I just gone on a holiday. Of course. Yeah. But I think the, the great thing about it was we went and saw the 16th Chapel and we saw, we saw all the monuments and that that for me was a game changer. Yeah. Like just seeing the history, there's parts of the city we're driving and there's parts of the road that's been dug up and they dug up and down in the ground you can see Oh, the you, know, to see, yeah, you can yeah, see like old, buildings, yeah, the build, you know, buildings down, down yeah, below. Yeah. And so that was the first time I'd seen anything like that. Okay. And um, yeah, I, I always, I always remember that. I've been back to Rome since, but I feel like the first time I went was incredible yeah. because of that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I went to Hong Kong when I was quite young. Okay. And um, that was interesting because it, it felt so advanced. It felt like stuff that they had there that was really normal we hadn't even thought about it. <laughs> yeah. And so I always remember, because again, Hong Kong was somewhere that I wouldn't have thought to go. I think I was 14 and I ended up going over there. And again, that was, that, that was a bit eye-opener. It was, was an eye-opener. Yeah. I think everywhere I've been, there's been something. Yes. That's yeah. been, yeah, I guess it's I have- Opens your eyes. I have done myself an injustice not traveling for a while because when I think about all the places I've been, and I've been to quite a few places mm. and each time has been has been a monumental learning or experience yeah but I think Rome probably yeah it just seems to stand out for some reason well that was a great by accident uh, yeah 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 shout <laughs> out to Chris for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Chris's father anyway. yeah Chris's dad yeah <laughs> okay well it's getting really cold and we've just been talking and I've been totally um absorbed by everything you've got to say Shaq and I know we can carry on chatting but I think We'll get hypothermia if we stay open much no longer. No problem, no but problem. one more question, yep. if I may ask, yep. is if you could give someone mm -hmm. who wants to start up a business yep. one piece of advice, 
based on all the experiences that you've yep. had, what would it be? Okay. Let's just go this way. Yeah. That's um. There's a couple things, mm-hmm. and if if I had to simplify it, without sounding sort of really super sort of cliche, I think persistency yeah. is is vital. Yeah. I I don't think I because th- I think with if you're persistent, because I was going to touch on them maybe trying to find a way to really test their idea or see how viable it is yes but i think if you're persistent that's part of the process yes so i feel like just being persistent because with persistency you you keep going so you'll realize actually that idea doesn't work so i'll try it in a different way or i'll try something completely different yeah but i think why persistency is key is because it it helps you naturally get to the next level yes yes um i think on top of that is super belief having the belief in in yourself and what you're doing Definitely. and that doesn't come natural so there's ways to well it doesn't come natural for everybody or everyone will get to a point where we hit a wall or we struggle and there's yeah, ways to hack there's yeah. ways to hack that and i think one of the key ways is to surround yourself with material books audio that is relative to your goals um daily if you can yeah and also people the people that you that you speak to or the people that are in your circles is crucial to what it is you're trying to do yeah and your outcome so i think that that my advice would be be persistent there's there's a lot of things i can add to that you kind of got to have the self-belief and you've kind of got to be a bit hard-headed or have thick skin yeah to take the knocks there's going to be a lot of knocks yeah i think yeah. If, if you don't have the knocks then you're not really you're not really doing it right yeah you're not pushing yourself yeah one of my key things is um to embrace uncomfortableness so be uncomfortable yeah you know sure. really be persistent and be uncomfortable i think that uncomfortableness allows you to do if you embrace being uncomfortable that's where the growth is you know yeah. so um do things you wouldn't normally do. Push yourself out of your comfort zone, and and grind. Yeah, and grind. <laughs> yeah, and grind. Like crazy. Grind that crazy. <laughs> if you if you can be persistent, grind that crazy, and be uncomfortable. Like push yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that you can't actually do. No. So, no. yeah. Was it for anyone that wants to start a new venture or? Or start Could a business? Is that I what just, the question yeah, was? Yeah, I think just for, and also based on your experiences because everyone comes at it from a different angle and yeah. I think um, I think what you're saying is so true and I mean I've just I've run one small business and okay it didn't work financially but it works on so many other levels you think it's just all about the money and it's, it's and actually being a success, not it's, it's, it's actually not. not about money and one no. of the things I will add lastly is all of those businesses that I did I didn't actually make a lot of money yeah. most of money so when I started doing the fashion everything i spent everything i made i put back in the business yeah so i never had a salary i've not had a salary for years yeah i just had no money but i made money yeah i could buy stuff i could eat food but i didn't have money in my pockets yeah everything went back in but what i say to people is in experience i was rich Mm -hmm. my job allowed me to travel a bit it allowed me i had lots of fun i hung out with lots of cool people I was around a lot of girls it was everything that i wanted at that time yes yeah. but in experience of so the value i the lessons i learned 
the value I gained in that, I felt rich. Yeah, yeah. In experience, I feel so rich. So when I look back, I'm like, well, couldn't have bought a house, I could barely pay rent. But in experience, I was rich. Yeah. And that's why now um, it pays me over the odds with other businesses. Definitely. Because that experience is so valuable. You can't buy that experience. No, you can't. You and I did all it. those mistakes, all of those things helped me get to that. So yeah. it's, it's invaluable. Okay, fantastic. Um, Shaq, you've just, you know, you've nailed this podcast. It's been amazing. <laughs> Thank you, you just, for having me on. You just talked so, oh, so many interesting things. So thanks Brilliant. so much. And um, to all the podcast listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed the show, been inspired. If you've loved it, please share it with your friends. Please give us a rating. And we'll be back next week with another podcast. But for now, have a lovely evening. Take care and see you soon. Bye. Bye.